What was the last thing you asked God permission to do? What was the last thing you asked God permission to do? Was it uh, to accept an invitation to, to date? If you're at the beginning of the dating and the relationship part of life, if you're looking for relationships, was it permission to begin a relationship? Is this, is this man, is this woman the, the kind of person, Lord, that you want me to associate with? that you want me to have a relationship with. Maybe it was whether or not you should take on a mortgage, encumber yourself, buy a loan, assume a debt for a long period of time. Maybe you've been asking God's permission about a particular college to attend or a major in college to declare have you asked God's permission to, to confront a difficult person and to confront that person in a manner that does not defame the individual but honors their sacred worth and value, that does not demean the individual in any kind of way? As Christian women and men, have we prayed to have the Holy Spirit's counsel and guidance that active, that direct, that focused on the issues of our lives so that we are as absolutely sure and certain as we can possibly be that we are guided by the rule of Christ in our lives, that the decisions and the actions we are making and taking are godly, that they are righteous, that we have the permission of God Almighty to move in a certain direction, to say a certain thing, because what we want to do most is to honor and acknowledge him. Now, as we look back over the last several weeks of this sermon series, Breakthrough 2017, there have been critical scriptures that I have raised up. I've asked you to, to jot them down. I've asked you to, to highlight them in your Bibles, to make them part of your collection of life verses. Here's a verse that I've placed before you numerous times, and I'm doing it one more time this morning. It's in 2 Corinthians chapter 10, Verses four to five. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty in God for pulling down strongholds, casting down arguments and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. It has been my prayer and my hope for you across these weeks that you experience victory as you bring God's word to bear upon the ordinary and the extraordinary time, circumstances, situations in your lives. Now, as I said, the, the scripture that we shared was a canticle, and it means simply scripture set to music. But this is one of the most magnificent 
passages in all of the Bible describing incarnation. It is one of the most phenomenal passages of Scripture that details for us us, the selflessness and the humility of Jesus. Jesus gave examples of, of that humility and that selflessness out of his own life not to, not to give himself any kind of, of personal honor, but to show his followers, to show those who were, were walking with him what it meant to surrender self to the will of God. One of the places, there are many, but one of the places we see that in Scripture is Matthew eleven twenty nine, where Jesus said to the, to the followers, Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. The selflessness and the humility of Christ. Another is found in John 13, verses 12 to to 17. And uh, uh, it it is there where Jesus washed his disciples' feet. And as he concluded that, act of humility, that act of servanthood, he said to them, now I've given you an example. I've given you an example that you should do to one another as I have done for you. The humble, selfless Christ. What a magnificent picture we have of him in this letter of Paul to the church at Philippi. Now, as we look at this passage, we note clearly that Jesus had no concern for status or privileges or rights that were his. He had no concern about the things that he was entitled to as God's Savior Son. He did not have to surrender the honors and the splendor of deity, yet he did not hold on to that either. Look at verses six and seven another time. Who being in the form of God did not consider it robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation, taking the form of a bondservant and coming in the likeness of men. Another great portion of scripture on that subject of the humility of Christ and that he left the splendors of heaven behind him when he came to earth is found in the, in the first few verses of the high priestly prayer of Jesus. We find that in John 17, verses one to five. Look at these. Jesus spoke these words, lifted up his eyes to heaven and said, Father, the hour has come Glorify your son, that your son also may glorify you. As you have given him authority over all flesh, that he should give eternal life to as many as you have given him. And this is eternal life, that they may know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. I have glorified you on the earth. I have finished the work which you have given me to do. Now look at verse 5. And now, O Father, 
glorify me together with yourself, with the glory which I had with you before the world was. He left the splendor of heaven, left all that he was entitled to. He emptied himself, the one who was exactly like God, to become like us. He set aside glory. He who had a face-to-face relationship with God moved away from that. He had independent authority over all things, left that behind. He had divine prerogative, yet he submitted to the Spirit's will and direction in his life. He had eternal riches, yet as he walked the earth, he was poor. Of him, the Bible says, the birds of the air have nests, but the, and foxes have holes, but the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. He gave up relationship with God. The Father's wrath was upon him when he was on the cross. Listen, Jesus, when he was on earth, was not in costume. You get that? Jesus, when he was on earth, was not in costume. He took on the needs and the weaknesses of humanity. He was like me and you. He was totally earthly. When he walked on earth. Now, verse 8 is an important verse. It talks about his appearance as a man. Look at it. And being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even the death of the cross. The cross was a humiliating thing, it was a terrible place to be. Who wants to die hung between earth and heaven, naked? Who wants to have that kind of pain rip through your body that that comes from having your limbs spiked to wooden timbers? Do you know the law concerning the cross? Do you know the law concerning the cross? Well, it's written up for you in Scripture. I'm going to share it with you right now. We're going to take a look at it. It's found in Deuteronomy chapter 21, verses 22 and 23. Here is the law concerning crosses. If a man has committed a sin deserving of death, and he is put to death, and you hang him on a tree, his body shall not remain overnight. On the tree, but you shall surely bury him that day so that you do not defile the land which the Lord your God is giving you as an inheritance. For he who is hanged is accursed to God. Talk about giving up the splendor of heaven, talking about willing the Father's will in his life. He became in that instance, in that moment, accursed by God and man. That's why he felt so alone, so void of God's presence. But then there is the shift in this wonderful passage 
by Paul, and the shift is like a fanfare. It's verse 9. It's like a flurry of trumpets making an announcement with the transitional word, therefore. Look at verse 9. Therefore, God. That's a couple sermons in itself, just those two words. Therefore, God. Also highly exalted him and given him the name which is above every name. Now you remember when Jesus was born, God sent his angel to Joseph and Mary and said that you shall call your son Jesus because he will save his people from their sins. Now there's another name coming. The name Jesus is significant. The name Jesus is an exalted name, but it's not the highest name. Now he gets a new name. And the new name is Lord, the one in charge, the one who has surrendered his sovereignty, who was at the hand, right hand of God, now is going to reclaim it again. Lord is a synonym for God. And the Bible says, as, we've, as we have it here, the cosmos, the whole cosmos will bow to him. He is called Lord because God has given him the right to rule. The purpose of Jesus' exaltation was the glory of God. God was glorified in that. Now in John 5, 23, we read about that exaltation and that glory in a different way. Here's what that scripture says. He who does not honor the son does not honor the father who sent him. Now in verses nine to 11 of the morning scripture, I want you to understand what we see there is God's agenda. God's agenda is in verses nine to 11 of Philippians 2. You should remember that. You should jot that down because you want to be on God's agenda. So here it is. Therefore, God has highly exalted him and given him the name which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow of those in heaven and of those on earth and of those under the earth and that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord, the new name, to the glory of God the Father. Now what does that mean here this morning? That means that God wants Jesus Christ to be exalted in us. God wants Jesus Christ to be exalted in you. You as an individual woman, you as an individual man. Now here's a question for you. When the Lord gave me this question last week as I was studying this this text and, and praying over it. I kind of gave him one and said, Lord, are you sure you want me to, 
ask this question in this way. And there was no delay. There was no uncertainty. Here is the question. The Lord wants us to ask ourselves. In what ways does your life demonstrate that you live for the exaltation of Jesus Christ? In what ways does your life demonstrate that you live for the exaltation of Jesus Christ? Who are you? I mean, who really are you? I know just about every one of you by name. But I don't know you the way God knows you. And I don't know what you know God knows about you. So I want you to do something. It's non-threatening. No one's going to stand out, but... Here's what I want you to do. When I ask you to, I want you to say your first and last name out loud. Now, we're not going to go around the sanctuary and do that. We're all going to do it at one time. Kind of experience what Pentecost was like with all everybody talking at the same time. Your first and your last name. All right? Say it now. See, no one stood out. No one stood out at all. That name that you just spoke, is that name bringing Jesus fame? That name you just spoke, is it bringing Jesus fame? Is Jesus Christ recognized and known when your name is spoken? That's God's agenda. That's what this scripture is about. When did you ask God to do anything? When did you ask God's permission? to do anything. Come on, Christians. Don't buy into the, the sociology and the psychology of being self-directed. You're not. That at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow. And every tongue confess of those in heaven, of those on earth, and of those under the earth, that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Is the word of God the way you live?
Is the word of God the way you live? And with that word, are you breaking routines of self-righteousness, of self-justification, and exalting Jesus in your lives? Are you replacing the ideas of the world with the mind of Christ? Are you taking every idea captive in Jesus' name? Are you using your actions, your attitudes, your tongues to bring fame to the name of Jesus? Are you bringing fame to the name of Jesus? That's the Christian's position. That's the Christian's agenda. That's your calling. God bless, preserve, strengthen, and keep you in it until that day when you stand before Christ for judgment of deeds done in the body. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, may your name be for all of us above every other name. May there be no consideration for any of us to lessen or to lower its position or significance. May we always keep the name of Christ Jesus, our Lord, high and lifted up. Lord, I pray for every woman and man here today to bring every action, every decision, everything that they are considering doing in their lives before you to ask your permission to get your direction to hear your pronouncement and oh God ultimately to have you pronounce pleasure and delight over your kids Lord guide us by your spirit that we will forever bring fame to the name of Jesus, in whose wonderful name we pray. Amen and amen. Please stand.